One of the most important things that a leader is responsible for as a leader is the vision of the organization. And again, it doesn't matter if we're talking about a multinational corporation, a small company of 102 employees, a small group of five or six employees, a military battalion or a military troop of eight or ten people, or a family. A leader is responsible for one thing that makes an impact on everybody in that group. And that one thing the leader is required to be forthright about, direct about, expressive about, communicative about, and clear about is the vision. Where are we going? What are we doing? Why are we going? What are we going to do when we get there? And how will we know when we've arrived? Uh, let me say that another way. The megapixel. The big picture. But see, in every big picture is a smaller picture and a smaller picture and a smaller picture. And that's what I want to talk about today on Leading Leaders. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. One of the first steps that I take in any one of my coaching clients, almost all of them are based on leadership and communication. Those are the two things that I focus on with one-on-one -on -one clients. And whether we start off in leadership or we start off in communication, they're so deeply intertwined that you can't really excel at one without excelling at the other. When you become a great communicator, you build influence because that's what communication does. As a result, you are going to become a leader whether you intend to be or not. And if you're working on your leadership skills, communication is among the top most important skills in being a good leader. So leadership and communication are kind of hard to unintertwine. But both of them require great vision, uh, understanding where it is that your organization is going. What, what is the end game? What is the goal? And one illustration I like to use is this portrait that I found. I'm going to bring it up here on camera for you. I found this beautiful portrait in a thrift shop. Isn't it pretty? And so it's really easy to look at that and go, yeah, duh, I recognize the Eiffel Tower. Who wouldn't recognize the Eiffel Tower? And it's really easy to say, based on that picture, okay, well, if that's our goal, if that's our target, then we know we're going to Europe. Well, that's a great place to start, right? We, we know we're going to Europe. Now we've got to work on some of the details of how we're going to get there. And so from a grand scheme of things, the large picture, the big picture, our destination is Paris, well, because that's where the Eiffel Tower is, unless you're looking for the little one in, in Las Vegas, but, and I'm sure there are fake ones all around the world. But the original Eiffel Tower is actually in Paris, France. And so we know we're going to Europe, more specifically to, Par to France, more specifically to Paris, more specifically to the Broadway where the Eiffel Tower is located. It's not a complicated thing to figure that out. Along the way, though, what we might have to figure out is, are we going to go from whatever continent we're on, say Africa or uh, North American continent or the Asian continent or the island of Hawaii, are we going to go by boat? Because unless you're already in Europe, you can't drive to get there. So you're going to go by boat, you're going to go by plane. And how many people are taking with us? Are we taking the whole team? Or are we taking a small team? And see, these are the little steps that 
feed into the vision to say, well, that's our destination. The, the Eiffel Tower is our destination. That's where we want to go. That, that's the picture we want to see when we arrive. We want to smell the air of Paris. We want to feel the climate of Paris. We want to be in the excitement and the joy that is gathering at the foot of the Eiffel Tower and taking those obnoxious selfie pictures where you're trying to look down at your phone and look up at the top and get your face in the top of the Eiffel Tower in the same picture. That's our goal. But we've got to work out every detail of the steps between here and there to get there. One of the other things that I notice in working with a lot of my clients, though, is that the why kind of gets lost. Well, now that we know that the Eiffel Tower is our destination and that we're going to have to get to Europe, more specifically to France, more specifically to Paris to, to see the Eiffel Tower, then why are we doing it? And the why really is a big deal because it is the motivation that causes people to say not just, hey, I'd like to see the Eiffel Tower, but every day that I show up and work on tickets to get on the boat or, you know, let's say you're in Missouri, you got to figure out how to get to the boat in the first place. Or if you're going to fly, is there an international airport that'll take you directly? Or how many connecting flights do you have to have? And how much luggage can you take on board? And what's the weight limit? And what are we taking with us? And what are we going to do when we get there? All these little fine details require a whole lot of work, a whole lot of forethought, a whole lot of expense. And it's easy when you've got a big picture that is that far out. When you look at the timeline, you begin to lose your motivation and think, yeah, Paris in three years, and the Eiffel Tower in 36 months, in 160 weeks. Holy cow, that's forever. Some people don't even stay in a job long enough to see some process like that come to fruition. So now we got to talk about what motivates people to do that. And as Simon Sinek says, it's the why. It's the why that motivates people, helping them understand why are we doing that. But let me go one step further than that. Uh, for years, I've been in marketing and everybody says the riches are in the niches. You've got to be able to, you know, scope it down, scope it down, scope it down until you know who your ideal client is. And when you've got that ideal client, you probably have a pretty good idea of their avatar. You know what kind of job they've had, what kind of career goals they might have, what kind of education level they have, what demographic they are, where do they live, how much do they earn, uh, what is their background, familial background or education background, their social background. And when you've got a pretty good picture of that, then you have an idea what language they speak, so to speak. And now you can talk to them in matters that are important to them, as Dale Carnegie says, and how to win friends and influence people. Always speak to the person and well, in the terms of the other person's interests, because they really don't care about you. They care about themselves. That's a hard reality to get a grasp on. But if you're creating the picture, the, the megapixel, if you will, the, the large zoomed out picture of the Eiffel Tower that allows you to see everything from the foreground to the very tippy top, how easy is it to lose the people in the picture? See, you might not have even noticed there were people in the picture. It's, it's a big picture. But see, there there are people in the picture. Let me let me let me give you a little little help there. See, there's there's people in the picture. You see the people in the picture? There's people right down there in the foreground. They're playing in the grass. Those people, they have lives, and those people matter, and those people should matter to your vision. Those people who are going to end up in the picture, they should matter to your vision. And see, part of the challenge we have as leaders is that. We see once 
in our view, the old Andy Griffith way of framing the picture, once we see the Eiffel Tower in our view, we won. But we forget all of the people along the way who took us over that 160 weeks of preparation to get us to the Eiffel Tower. All the people who've done the daily work every day to show up and make whatever was necessary to make the journey happen. They've made that happen. They've done the work. They've crunched the numbers. They've driven the revenue. They've brought in the sales. They've made the logistical plans. And every one of those people, their lives, their families, they matter in that picture. See, for a lot of us, though, we create a vision that looks like an end destination. And we forget that when we get to that end destination, people want to ask themselves, where am I in your picture? If we have crafted a vision properly, all of those people who are our ideal clients, the people who fit within our niche, every one of them from the very beginning could see themselves in that picture. Now, I, I wasn't in this picture in the Eiffel Tower. I know that for a fact because uh, the cars there are older than I am. And I also know that I've never personally been, although I've been in France, I didn't get to the Eiffel Tower. Because I know those facts for myself, I know I was not in that picture. But I'm sure there's someone who could look at that particular photograph and go, oh yeah, I was there that day. Kind of like on the grassy knoll when, when Kennedy was shot. When you drive through Dallas, and, and I've done this because my grandmother was literally on the grassy knoll on the day Kennedy was shot. She said it shocked her so badly she just sat down where she was and cried. She, she didn't run. She wasn't scared. She didn't think anybody was after her. She was just mortified with shock. And she sat down right there in the grass and cried. She wasn't actually on the grassy knoll side. She was on the other side of the street, but was an eyewitness to the whole thing. She's now gone. But in listening to her tell that story, if you had taken a snapshot of that moment, you might actually literally find her in that picture. That's mind-boggling to think of a major event like that in life and think, I didn't just hear about it or read about it in the history books. I was standing there when it was recorded. I'm in the picture. See, as leaders, we often create a vision and we forget that there are people whose individual lives are impacted by that vision. I mean, when Steve Jobs stood on the stage and announced that they were bringing out the iPhone, I'm guessing that the iPhone had been in technological development. R&D had been working on it for months, maybe years. The iPod had already been released and everybody had an iPod and knew what that was and knew what it was all about. But Steve Jobs made a very profound comment when he said, when we introduced the iPod, no one knew they wanted one. His vision went so far beyond, there was nobody who would say, oh yeah, I can see myself in that picture. I can see myself using one. I can see myself not being able to live without my little digital device. I couldn't make it a day without it because all of my businesses are run through that device. All of my family connects with me through that device. People that I know and care about all over the globe connect with me through that device. And if that device suddenly went away, the picture would change. Imagine if you had been a part of this picture, this Eiffel Tower picture, and you were to say, you know, when the Eiffel Tower came down, I, I don't have them developed yet. I haven't had the nerve, but I actually have photographs on 110 film. 
where I went to a conference called the Folio Conference. It's about magazine publishing. It was in the fall of 1998. I personally, this guy right here, stood on the roof of the Twin Towers and took photographs from the roof of the ten, Twin Towers across the river with my own camera. I stood there with a little Jewish girl from Canada that I met on the trip. We were both studying the same stuff. I made phone calls and introduced her to my wife and we had a great conversation. I saw forever, the first time forever, a matzo ball in a matzo ball soup because that's what she ordered for lunch at the Carnegie uh, restaurant. That, that was the largest matzo ball I've ever seen. First time also I'd ever sat at a table with strangers while eating my meal. That was a new experience for me, Carnegie Deli. The idea of being there when it happened, and now I look back and realize those buildings aren't there. They haven't been there for two decades. But it's my personal memory. My vision of that downtown area is forever changed. Kind of like the landscape of cell phones. Kind of like how business evolves when economies change and policies change and political landscapes change. Kind of like we're seeing the gas-powered car versus electric cars now. And there is a vision driving that change. As a leader, you're responsible for crafting that vision. The megapixel. The big picture. What I'm asking you as a leader is are you also consciously aware of the people who will be in that picture when it happens? Sure, many of them will be on your team. They're, they're on your team now. They're going to make that journey with you. They're going to input into it. They're going to help to create the revenue that makes it possible. They're going to be part of the R&D team that discovers and rediscovers and researches and develops all the new technology that makes it possible for you to go forward. And they're going to require that your vision be detailed enough to see them in the picture. See, here's the ones who really care. The ones that you will serve your customers, your clients, your patients. They want to know when they see that big picture that you've had them in mind all along, that you've created a vision that they could look at that picture and go, okay, I, I'm not in the one that was taken here. I'm not, I'm not in this picture. That, that's not me down there, but, but it could be. In fact, I would love to stand right up here and take a picture of my own. I, I would like to be standing right here taking that selfie up at the top of the Eiffel Tower. I, I want to be in that picture. I want to be a part of it. When your organization has the kind of vision that people can see themselves in your megapixel and then be able to zoom in on it. I, I've been on the Capitol grounds of Washington, D.C., the, the monuments, the Capitol, uh, more than once. In one of those, I know for a fact that I was in one of the megapixel photographs that was taken of those grounds. I didn't realize it at first that I was even in a place that I could be seen, uh, per se, just in a crowd of people. But my grandson recognized me and told my daughter, look, there's Poppy. He's on TV. And sure enough, when she pointed out the scene, I was able to go back to the megapixel that was posted on the web and find myself in that photograph. Because just like this photograph, the image is clear enough that if you know where you were standing on that day, you could probably go, oh, that's my aunt right there. You, you see my aunt? You wouldn't know her from anybody else. That's a dot. But yeah, my aunt was prone to wear white pantsuits and, and she always went to the Eiffel Tower on Saturdays. And, and I could probably, if I, if I went back far enough, I could, I could figure out which Saturday that was that she wore her white pantsuit to, to go to see the Eiffel Tower. And if you were in the picture, you know you were in the picture. You could probably discern whether you were there that day or not. 
I can on the day in question that I was in the megapixel. But I can remember too that I thought of myself as lost in a sea of people that you couldn't pick me out of there if you tried. You wouldn't even know I was there. Who cares, right? Those kinds of observations when we look at our business plans and our business goals and we draft the vision for our organization going forward, we have to ask ourselves, who's in that picture? Who fits in that picture? Is that our niche market? Can we identify our avatar? Have we selected them well enough to know who we serve and who we serve best? And if we have, then when we describe that picture, they can literally see themselves in the picture, even if they say, well, I haven't been there yet, but that's where I want to go. I haven't been to the Eiffel Tower yet, but if you're telling me that your process, your system, your methodology sees me as a customer arriving at the Eiffel Tower, I'm all in. Tell me what I have to do next. What do I have to spend? What do I have to invest? What do I have to do? What action do I need to take? Because that's the destination that I want. If you're crafting a vision for an organization, don't just create the final destination, so to speak, as an image that you can appreciate. Create that final destination and then ask your customers, can you see yourself in the picture? Do you see yourself arriving there? Do you feel like you want to also smell the air of Paris? You want to feel the atmosphere of the corner cafes and the small boutiques where everyone has their burnt cookies and coffee. And if the answer is yes, then we have a plan to get you there and we can tell you how. And if that's not you, if a safari in, uh, a safari in, in Africa is more to your liking, there's another organization for that. If you'd rather go on a cruise, well, there's another organization for that. But if this is the destination you want, if this is what success will look like for you and make you ecstatically happy inside, then join us on this journey. We have a plan and we can take you there. When you reach that level as a leader, you will have buy-in from your customers, buy-in from your teammates, buy-in from those who are going to invest in you to make it possible, from the R&D to the ROI investor. But you've got to have a picture so clear that they'll know it when they see it again and they'll know that you've arrived there. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.